So I probably don't need to tell you that the economy is struggling a little bit. What was a roaring engine back in February is a little more than a paperweight today because of the COVID-19 outbreak. To date, thousands of people have lost their lives due to this vicious disease, but millions and millions and millions of individuals have lost their jobs or either been laid off to try and uh, combat its spread. Over the last three years, our economy has seen unprecedented gains and soared to new heights, and overnight everything has changed. The stock market dropped 10,000 points or so in the first few weeks of the fight, leaving uh, everyone's retirement investments very shaky. In fact, uh, just last week, uh, Amanda and I received uh, her retirement uh, account statement in the mail, and that statement that she's been working on for so long has already dropped uh, over $2,000. Estimates of 10 million new unemployment claims have been filed over the last month, leaving the workforce shaky and unstable. There are a lot of people who are scared, not just about contracting the virus, but scared about how they're going to make ends meet. On February, uh, in February, uh, the Washington Examiner reported that 49% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and 53% don't have enough in their savings account to account for three months' worth of expenses. To date, there is still uncertainty about when it will be safe to open up the economy for uh, commerce fully. But if these statistics are true, then no amount of government stimulus or intervention will be able to provide the amount of money that the average American household is accustomed to. As I said, many families are frightened. Men and women are uncertain and aren't sure what to do now. And here's my hope for this series, that as uh, we begin this uh, series, The First and Best, that as followers of Jesus, we will be able to live as examples for those around us. For this to happen, we need to have in place principles that will uh, allow us to model steadiness and balance for a world where everything seems to be turned upside down. This is not a series designed to get you to give more. Because of your faithfulness, we've been able to continue to do ministry effectively, pay all of our bills, and support our missionaries overseas. We are so thankful for your continued faithfulness. Uh, God has truly provided for us, and we are so blessed to be able to say that. So thank you so much. Again, I want to be clear, this is not a series where the church is telling you to give more. The heart of this series is to help uh, all of us manage what we have been given and entrusted to uh, by God so that the world around us can see some semblance of steadiness, so that they can see that all is not lost. If followers of Jesus can be an example of calm in a season of panic, think about the opportunities we will have to make disciples that we didn't have prior to this crisis. 
More than anything else, this series is about offering hope in a season full of hopelessness. And that's exactly what I think Jesus would do. In his book, How to Manage Your Money When You Don't Have Any, Eric Wex offers a pretty startling recommendation. He says this, The pursuit of financial stability needs to replace the pursuit of financial freedom in our basic understanding and beliefs about what money can provide. Now, I can't say if Mr. Wex is a Christian or not, but what I can say is that his point is certainly worth considering. As Christians, we know that money can't buy our freedom. In fact, the only thing that can buy our freedom is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what money can provide is stability in uncertain times. So how do we find financial balance, especially when 50% of us are already hanging by a thread and struggling to make ends meet? How do we begin to manage our money when we're looking at our accounts and we're seeing less and less there? What kind of principles can we put into place to bring stability to unstable times? If these are some of the questions that you're asking as I'm speaking, then I'm, I'm glad that you're joining me this morning to study a little bit in God's Word. And I would just encourage you to continue to tune in over the next several weeks. Today, I'd like to explore three laws that will help us stabilize and steady our financial futures. And if the followers of Jesus will take them seriously, we will be able to speak into a culture that's worried and full of fear. To bring stability to our finances, I think it would be helpful to think in terms of physics. So here's what I mean by this. If you've ever watched a daredevil walk across a tightrope suspended high in the air, or you've watched a cheerleader stand on a person's hand during a basketball game, there are physical laws at work in each of those circumstances that can be woven into how we manage and think about our money. The first law that I would like to unpack this morning is the law of the reference point. You see, for the cheerleader or the tightrope walker, stability and physical balance require focus on a fixed point of reference. As long as their eyes remain on a reference point, they will be able to find stability. However, the moment that they take their eyes off of that reference point, things begin to get shaky and unsteady and uncertain. The law of the reference point applies to our money as well. As long as we keep our eyes fixed on a point of reference, we can steady our finances too. The second law that I would like to share with you this morning is the law of constant correction. Again, when we're attempting to balance anything in physical space, we have to be able to adjust on the fly. There's no setting it and forgetting it. That approach will spell disaster for whatever it is that we're trying to balance. Think about when we ride a bike and how we are constantly making small, almost imperceptible corrections and adjustment to keep ourselves and the bike upright. Why? Because balancing something in physical space requires our attention and our ability to make constant corrections. The same is also true in regard to our management of our finances. We can't set them and forget them. 
they require our attention and the ability to make corrections whenever necessary. The third and final law of physical balance that I would like to uh, address this morning is the law of clarity. And what I mean by this is with balance in physical space, we need to know what the goal is. So if you're holding a cheerleader on one hand over your head, the goal is to keep her from falling on her face. If you're walking across a tightrope, the goal is to make it to the other side safely. If you are riding your bike, the goal is to keep both you and the bike upright. If we lack clarity in our finances, if we don't know the goal, then we could be putting ourselves and our financial future in jeopardy. So we've got these three laws, the reference point, the constant correction, and clarity. And if we can learn to weave them into our finances, we'll soon see stability and steadiness there. Now the major difference between these laws in the physical world as opposed to our financial situations is this. We see the results of imbalance instantly in the physical world, whereas in our financial situations, we don't see the consequences of imbalance immediately. So again, if I've got a cheerleader and she's standing on my hand and maybe she doesn't have the right reference point or I'm not making constant corrections, she's going to fall and we're going to know it immediately. Okay, or if I'm climbing on a bike and, again, I'm not making those constant corrections, I'm going to tip over, the bike is going to go with me, and everybody's going to know it instantaneously. The thing about our finances is that's not the way they work. Many of us have taken bad financial habits from our youth into our adult years and then into our marriages. We took bad habits from our married life into our lives once we started having children. And you know that in each of these stages of life, the strain gets stronger and stronger. The margin gets smaller and smaller. And one day, we wake up wondering how we ever got in so deeply. What was manageable when we were 20 or 21 or 22 has driven us to the brink of ruin in our 30s or 40s or 50s. All because the effects of imbalance aren't always immediate and instantaneous the way imbalance in physical space can be. The coronavirus, put this way, may not have revealed something that we're doing wrong financially right now. The coronavirus may have unearthed bad habits and imbalance that have been uh, in our lives for many, many years. Oftentimes, relationship issues between a husband and a wife are actually financial imbalance issues that have bubbled to the surface. If couples aren't on the same page in regard to how they spend their money, oftentimes it ends in chaos and catastrophe. If parents aren't on the same page financially and setting good examples for their kids early on in their development, chances are those kids are going to adopt an imbalanced approach to money and take it with them into adulthood. What's crazy is financial imbalance can present itself in many different ways. It doesn't look the same in each person. There's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to financial imbalance. For example, you can be a stingy, 
penny-pinching miser like Ebenezer Scrooge, and the idea of doing good for other people never crosses your radar. All you want is more. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you can see that there are some individuals who have no problem doing good for others and giving money to others whenever there uh, is the need, but they struggle to save any kind of uh, money. They can't even save a dime. In the Total Money Makeover, Dave Ramsey puts it like this, someone who never has fun with money misses the point. Someone who never invests money will never have any. Someone who never gives is a monkey with his hand in a bottle. And I think Dave Ramsey is right about this. And each of these people represent examples of financial imbalance. And here's the idea that uh, I bet probably never crossed many of our minds. The idea is this. The more that we have, the easier it is to become imbalanced. You ever thought about that? The more that we have, the easier it is to become imbalanced. In one of his stand-up routines, comedian Jim Gaffigan explains what life is like now that he and his wife uh, have given birth to their fifth child. He says, you know what it's like to have five kids? Imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. I mean, that's right. I mean, think about it. The more you have of something, the harder it becomes to manage that thing And any time we have extra of anything, our tendency is to become less disciplined with whatever that thing happens to be. I mean, think about this. How many of, uh, how many first kids were raised totally different than their last siblings, right? Almost all of them. Why? Parents are so protective and attentive to uh, their first child, right, to, to number one. But by the time the fourth or fifth or sixth kid rolls along, that little dude can do anything. He can eat mud pies for lunch. He can, you know, play on top of the counter and climb on top of the table. I mean, he can even have Mountain Dew, all right? Anything goes for the final kid that was, and and that just wasn't the case for kid number one, okay? Nothing is off limits for him because the, you know, the, 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 the more of something we have, the, the less disciplined we become. The same goes for our finances. It's easier to manage less, and we tend to get more careless uh, when we have more. We tend to lose sight of what we should focus on. We can neglect making the necessary calibrations that are, uh, that are required. We can forget why we even have anything to manage in the first place. And here's why this is important for those of us who are followers of Jesus. We cannot be chronically imbalanced financially and at the same time be imbalanced with God. We can't follow Jesus and stay out of balance with the blessings that he bestows upon us. To dig uh, into this a little bit deeper, I want to look at a couple verses from the New Testament that will help us to calibrate our thinking for the remainder of our series. The first verse is in Matthew chapter 6, and it's Jesus preaching uh, in what is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. He says this in verse 21. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, maybe you've read this passage of Scripture before, But have you ever stopped to think about what Jesus is actually saying? 
Jesus is telling you and me that it is possible to know what people value the most. You might look at preachers like me or like Webby, and you might see that our Bibles are old and worn, and you might see that there are lots of highlights and marks and notes inside of them. And you might think that we're super spiritual, and that that may well be true. But if you really want to know where our hearts are, according to Jesus, you should look instead at our bank statements and our check registries. The same is true for any family or household. Provided with the right documentation, anyone could quickly and accurately know where that family's heart is. It's great that believers tune in to worship or show up to church, back when showing up to church was still a thing, but that doesn't tell the complete story. We can pray for someone who's going through a tough time, and that's great to be sure, but if we want to know where someone's heart is, according to Jesus, now remember, I'm just the messenger, all we have to do is find their treasure, or like they say in crime movies, follow the money. The fact is, our hearts have a tendency to follow our possessions. And above all else, Jesus wants our hearts. Since followers of Jesus, since believers believe that Jesus died for our sins, it stands to reason that our Savior shouldn't have to compete with our stuff to get our hearts. Therefore, we should surrender those things, our possessions, to him. Once we surrender those things to him, put our stuff in the capable nail-pierced hands of Jesus, he will always have our hearts. The other verse I want to peek into this morning is Luke chapter 16 verse 13. Here Jesus also says this, no one can serve two masters For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. It's so crazy that the conflict you and I face on the front lines of the battle every single day is a conflict between God and our stuff. If you're like me, you probably sort of expected it to be a battle between God and the devil. And I'm sure he's behind the scenes prodding and poking luring and leading, taunting and tempting. But in this war, our loyalty will either be given to God or to our possessions. We will serve our stuff or our Savior. We can't eat our cake and have it too. We have to choose. So here's the action point for us this week as we seek to become more financially steady and balanced. What I want us to do is follow our money. It will be easier this week than it's maybe ever been in our entire lives, right? I mean, after all, we're quarantined. You can't go shopping for anything you want. You can't go out to a restaurant and eat. It should be easy to keep an eye on where our money is going. And this is the perfect time to open up our books and look over uh, our important documentation. Have fun with this. Treat this exercise as if you're a private investigator on a stakeout. Maybe you're like, you know, Tom Selleck, you know, Magnum P.I., or you're James Bond, and you're just spying on your stuff on some kind of a stakeout. Why are we doing this? Because law number one says that we need to have a fixed point of reference, meaning we have to keep our eyes on our money and where it's going. If we'll do this, can you imagine 
how different things could be. Just dream with me for one second. How amazing would it be to get to the place where we don't have to worry about money anymore? How good would it feel to know that you have a plan and are prepared the next time some chaos or crisis or some pandemic happens again? How wonderful would it be for us as followers of Jesus to be able to lead our fearful, frightened neighbors through uncertain and uncomfortable times? Can you imagine the impact that the kingdom of God would be able to make and the kinds of disciples that we would be able to make for God's glory? That sounds absolutely amazing to me. And as followers of Jesus, our days don't need to be filled with worry. God's Word has provided us insight, guidance, and wisdom on how we can live confidently when the world around us is in panic mode. Over the next few weeks, we're going to dive deeper into God's Word so that we can honor Him with what we've been blessed with and lead those around us who are fearful and uncertain closer and closer to the real Jesus. Because here's the thing, and I don't want you to miss this. He's offering more than just healthy bank accounts and financial stability. The real Jesus is offering forgiveness for our spiritual debts and eternal life with Him in heaven forever. And that is worth the price of admission. I really hope that you have been blessed and encouraged this morning. And if you've got questions about following Jesus, being baptized, or you've just got stuff going on in your life and you would like someone to pray for you, please, please, please reach out to us in a private message on Facebook or email us at info at lincolnhillschristian.com and just know that we would love to pray for you or talk with you more about how you can follow Jesus more closely. Know that we love you and we can't wait to worship with you in, in, a, in a worship service like this. Um, we're, just, we're so looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we love you and we're praying for you. Um, and uh, would, you just, would you just let me pray for us? Heavenly Father, um, thank you for providing for us. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for loving us. Father, we just ask that as we try to pursue you in uncertain times, that you will help us to be wise, that you will help us to walk confidently with you. Father, help us to be attentive to um, the needs that are around us. Help us to be sources of stability and confidence in a world that's just lost right now. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you that he pursued us and he's made a way for us to spend eternity with you. We love you and we thank you for all this. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. 